I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Welcome in to episode 51 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. And it is a sad episode of Blue Jays Nation Radio, Coomzy. Just, it just wasn't in the cards, hey? No, that's... Um, I will say at the very least, um, and I mentioned this in the last podcast as well, I'm glad that they missed out on... Not because they lost. This is a this is a terrible sentence. I'm sorry. I still don't have a brain. I'm still trying to process what the fuck happened. But I'm just happy they didn't they didn't miss out on a playoff spot because they lost one of these three games to the Orioles. I think the biggest nightmare would have been winning the two coming into Sunday with a chance, and then like Hyunjin Ryu getting lit up by Baltimore yeah. and then missing out because at least they did their job. You know, they didn't do their job against Minnesota. They didn't do yeah. their job when the Yankees came to town. That's when they didn't do their job. But at the, at the very least, at the end, they did their job. And it was, we can blame the Nationals and we can blame the Rays. And that 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 feels a little bit better, right? Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll get into it all here. It was, uh, they absolutely did their job. We'll, we'll get into the bats just absolutely exploding and everything good that happened in that Orioles series. Um, the other thing too is like, Fuck, this team gave us a lot of good memories this year. Like the 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 run to get back into the race, sweeping Oakland, sweeping the Yankees, like that winning streak was mm-hmm. unbelievable. And and everything that happened throughout the season, like Vladdy, Semyon, Robbie Ray, picking up Barrios, the trade deadline, the coming back to Toronto and going on that winning streak. It's wild. I mean, they won 91 games. Like this was yeah. this was a great season. They won way more than they lost. Um, and it's just weird to kind of sit here at the end and like, I don't know. I just have so many emotions because like I'm disappointed. You can sit there and go back to so many games in the regular season where where they where they blew it, and like that one game ends up costing them. But then at the same time, like there's so many more positive memories from the season that like I'm still happy about the year. But today I'm still so disappointed that they're not playing tonight. Yeah, I think the one thing to avoid doing as a Blue Jays fan, because you're going to drive yourself completely insane, is to go back and look at the schedule and think of yeah. random games they lost they should have won. Like, I know one that haunts me, and I I, I had a feeling, um, I think a lot of people had this feeling when it happened, that one game that was going to be very haunting was the one against Detroit, where yeah. Semyon kind of spiked the ball and lied and catch it, and Detroit ended up winning. It was yeah. the last out of the game. And you're going to drive yourself nuts thinking about games like that because you also don't know 
what effect psychologically that loss had on later wins, right? I mean, there's some kind of butterfly effect here where it's not like, all right, they won that game and then everything else after goes the exact way it did in real reality, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't even know what the fuck I'm talking about right now. Well, but. no, yeah, you make a good point. It's like it's like in a game where there's an error that's made, right? And then you end up losing the game by one, and the error happened in the second inning. Oh, ah, if they didn't make that error, they would have won. And it's like, yeah, well, like that's not really how sports works, right? Like, no. not everything is connected that way. Um, anyways, let's get into three up, three down. It's presented by twigandberries.ca, where you can use the promo code NATION15. Get 15% off, load up before winter. They got a bunch of really good hoodies and stuff like that. Um, the ups... We're starting with the ups because they swept the fucking Orioles, and that's what they had to do. They held up their end of the bargain, and a big reason why is because the bats absolutely came alive. And the thing I liked is that the bats were coming alive early. In game two of this series, they had seven runs in the first three innings. In game three of this series, they had nine runs in the first three innings. It was awesome to see them just kind of put their pedal to the floor and go, yeah, we got to win these games. Let's blow them out. Yeah, it was nice because the first game was needlessly stressful. Like yeah. Steve Matz put together an amazing start. He was just, geez, like yeah. he was so locked in, laser focused, just killing the Orioles. At one point, I thought he was going to throw a complete game shutout. He was like scoreless through five innings on like 54 pitches. And then in the next two games, it was just like, like I went to the Saturday game and I rolled in, uh, I don't know, like 45 minutes late, half an hour late or something. And they were already up like five nothing. And I was like, okay, like nothing happened the rest of the game. It felt like, and then, you know, Sunday's game immediately right off the hop, they're scoring a bunch of runs and there was no stress at all. It was great. Like it was such a, it was such a chill way to ride out the season. Like the last thing anybody wanted when we all have to do scoreboard watching is worry about games against the Orioles. Like, no, these are formalities. These are automatics. And the Jays made them automatics by just scoring. What was it? 28, 28 runs. Yeah, it was uh, and allowing nine (laughs) (laughs) a bunch of amazing performances in this one. Uh, George Springer in the last two games of this series finds a way to go seven for nine with a walk and eight RBI. He hit the two home runs in the series finale. Um, He slumped for a little bit there and it was probably more health related than I think we talked about. Um, I mean, oh, I know we talked about it. That's probably not fair. Like the knee was clearly bugging him. He wasn't yeah. hitting well. There was points where it was like, man, why are you even putting this guy at the top of the order now? That's like, we just, just let him get healthy. And you said, you said you keep him in the lineup because when he gets hot and you never know yeah. when that hot streak's going to start, it's like that. And the run he was on in these last couple of series was incredibly impressive. Yeah, it was. It was, it was, it was you and I talked about this. And I think a lot of people said the same thing. Like even back in May, June, when he was MIA and everybody was pissed off, like, oh, why they get this guy so much money is a fucking band-aid. And it's like, well, okay, like Springer's going to miss games throughout this contract. It is what it is. Like he's in his thirties, not a big deal. Like he's going to come back and he's going to be really good in situations like this in situations where the games really matter. It was that, you know, game against Boston in in August when he hit that three run home run for the comeback. It was the game on nine 11 when he fucking hit the two run home run against the Orioles. It was this series here where he drives in 26 runs. Like, this, this is what he does. This, this is what he's going to do ideally for the entirety of that contract. And is he going to miss games due to injury? Yes. Is he going to go cold? Yes. Fucking baseball. Like, yeah, <laughs> it is what it is. And we saw the best of George Springer at the end of the year. And that's sick. But I'm going to say again, it's a damn shame. We didn't carry this hot streak into the playoffs. <laughs> One guy who was also on an insane hot streak was Santiago Espinal. Oh, yeah. um, in the last week, 
He was 11 for 22 on the season. This guy had 222 at bats and hit 311. Yeah. Are we was, certain Santiago Aspinall isn't legit? He's, he's good. Like um, he, he was worth, um, according to fan graphs, I think two wins above replacement. He was like six on the team and he missed like a full month. Yeah. This guy's legit. Like, um, I don't, I don't know if he's a, if, if, if ideally he's your starter or maybe he's a platoon with somebody else, but like, we've been saying this forever too. Like the more this guy's in the lineup, the better. I remember when having Biggio got activated off the injured list, I was kind of worried like, Oh geez, are we going to see Biggio back at third base? That would suck because I'd much rather just see Espinal. Like why are we not seeing Santiago Espinal play every day? He's unreal defensively. And he just picks up hits. He has a good, he has a good approach. Doesn't swing at everything. It's nice. It's refreshing. Yeah, I I was really impressed with Espinal in this final series. Danny Jansen found a way to contribute. Like, I mean, they scored, again, 28 runs in three games. Like, obviously, everyone was contributing. Uh, So the bats absolutely came alive. You touched on Steven Matz and how good he was Mm -hmm. in the opener. Alec Manoa was unbelievable in the second game as well. Seven innings pitched, one hit, one run, one walk, and 10 strikeouts. We were we can go back again. We've done it countless yeah, times, a million times to our hot take at the start of the year. And I said, it. I said, <laughs> Manoa's going to be contributing in the rotation by August. And people were like, ah, you're insane. Well, fuck me. The guy should probably be in the AL rookie of the year conversation at some point. Right. Not that he's yeah. going to win it because that's a Rosa Reina's to win. But like he, he should be in that mix. No, 100 percent. He's going to get votes at least. Right. Like he's yeah. going to finish fourth or fifth or something. It's harder for a pitcher to win over a position player. But Geez, yeah, like we we thought Alec Manoa might come up and contribute as a reliever, a multi-inning reliever, and then he comes up and he's the team's, I don't know, like honestly this year, it was like your second best starter. Yeah, like if you don't count Barrios because he came in halfway through the year, Manoa was their second best starter. He was the number two starter that we all thought Nate Pearson was going to be, and that didn't yeah. happen to Pearson, and Manoa stepped up. What a game changer. I mean, if that didn't happen, I have no idea where the Blue Jays are this season because they certainly aren't in this situation. They aren't in 91-win territory if Alec Manoa doesn't randomly break out after pitching 14 innings in the minors over you know, <laughs> two years or whatever it was. And yeah, it's crazy. And he's also, he's also now generating like a, a reputation of being a big game pitcher. It was, you yeah. know, that, that start in Tampa at the trop after they lost the first game, he came out huge game games like that, you know, in the game on Saturday, like, I, you know, it's the Orioles, whatever it is, what it is, but like the Orioles can still hit. They're not a completely useless, decrepit team. I mean, they are, but if they can do one thing, it's hit. So Manoa came and just dominated their lineup, made them look like even worse than they actually are, which is really something. And it's exciting to see, like, what's this guy going to do next year? Yeah, it's it's really interesting to think about that. I mean, he's so young. He's only 23 years old, right? So obviously with with a hard-throwing 23-year-old, you're praying for health, right? Yeah, you want him to stay healthy and be <laughs> yeah. in the rotation for 25, 30 starts next season, I think. Right. Um, I know pitcher wins are a super dumb stat, but he he went nine and two this year. Like the Jays, they won way more than they lost when Alec Manoa got the ball. So a really impressive season from Manoa. And he capped it off with an excellent performance again, getting that reputation to be a big game guy. Oh, wow. Damn it. It is a shame that he is not going to be in the mix in the here's, playoffs. Here's something crazy. Um, a Manoa thing. They won every single start that he started from August 23rd on. So if even if he didn't wasn't the pitcher of record, it was White Sox, Detroit, Oakland, Yankees, Rays, Rays, Twins, Orioles. All of those starts in a row they won from mid-August on. That's crazy. It's nuts. Yeah. 
Um, also just to, to wrap up three up three down here, uh, Hunjin Ryu. I mean, he came in, I was yeah. nervous. I was super I was nervous. Good. I was watching him, uh, Sportsnet was showing him throwing in the bullpen before the game and kind of like <laughs> everyone was watching him. And I was like, Oh my God, he might like, what do you, I, one of the thoughts in my head was like, what does Montoyo do? If the first time through the order Ryu gives up three or four runs or he gets hit hard, they hit a couple home runs. Like I was like, what's Montoyo going to do? Who's he going to go to for like the bulk of that game? Wasn't a concern at all. He went five innings. He looked great. Yeah, he did. It's um, five innings, six hits, one walk, two earned runs, seven strikeouts. Like you got the job done. It was a good outing. That's exactly what they needed. It was, you know, better than what he did against the Yankees, which mm-hmm. was pretty eh, but that was more than enough given the runs they were going to score in that game. But that being said, one other thing that I cannot stop thinking about, and I've been thinking about this for the past few days, was what would this team look like if they had last year's version of Ryu? They're in the playoffs. They win 100 games. They might. I guess. I mean, is he worth nine wins? Like maybe not. Yeah. But they're in the playoffs at least. Yeah, it was worth that. Ah, fuck, I don't know. Whatever. This is this is exactly. I'm contradicting what I said earlier. Yeah. This is exactly what what you think about if you want to drive yourself completely insane. Yep. Go back through every single Hyunjin Ryu start. Think about you know the one in Seattle they lost. Like ones against Baltimore they lost, and it's like oh geez, if they had last year's Ryu, they win <laughs> 99 or 100 games. But fuck me, I'm not going to think about that. Oof. Oof. Speaking of things that'll drive you nuts, let's get into our down for uh, this series against Baltimore. Obviously, none from the Jays' perspective because they beat the fucking wheels off the Orioles. But there were downs on the out-of-town scoreboard. And the first one is the Nationals, who found a way to blow it twice. They went into the ninth inning, tied it one with the Red Sox on Saturday, found a way to lose that game. And then they blew a 5-1 lead on Sunday. I was... I was already getting excited, man. There's like a, there's an Oilers preseason game tonight. I had already planned. I'm like, I'm not going to cover this preseason game. Thank God. I'm going to be watching game 163 between the Blue Jays and either the Red Sox or Yankees or Mariners or whoever. I I counted it as a win already. And the, the Nationals found a way to blow it. And that was, oh, that just that just big time sucked. Yeah, it did. That was that was super hard to watch. I didn't watch the um, I didn't tune into the Nationals Red Sox game until the game was tied. I was kind of just following along on the uh, at bat app, and as soon as Boston started getting runners on later in the game, like after yeah. Washington starter that random rookie who was just killing it, after who outperformed up, Chris Sale. I know it was just like, oh man, this is going to happen. This is storybook stuff. Like no name rookie has pitched sort of the season in single A comes up for the nationals and he's out dueling Chris sale. This is going to be sick. Like this is perfect. Like the Jays are going to wind up playing a 163 against not Chris sale. So this is ideal. And then the nationals prove why they went 30 and 132 this year or whatever it was like, they're so bad. <laughs> there isn't like a single good reliever here. We have fucking blue Jays castaway Patrick Murphy pitching just tossing junk and then this Eric Fetty comes in and gets lit up and it's like uh, as soon as Boston tied the game at 5-5 you just knew yeah there was no way the Nationals were going to win so I turned that one off to watch the Yankees and the Rays hoping geez maybe Tampa's bullpen can pull this off like this is significantly more likely but the Yankees were just pitching nuclear in that game too like the pitching for New York in that game was just amazing oh that was frustrating like fuck, and that's our second down. Is that the Rays yeah. really couldn't get two damn runs on Sunday? Like they, man, I mean, Jamison Talion is not that good. He pitched, no. he pitched great, but he's not that good. And the Rays just couldn't squeeze out two runs. They had chances. The, they did. They, I mean, it was, it was all the time you'd, I'd, I'd, I'd open up the app and I'd see, oh, the Rays have a guy on second with nobody out. 
and they just consistently weren't bringing them in. Yeah, it was like a leadoff double. They got runners on the corners with one out, and then they blow that, and it's just like, oh man, like. And then yeah, and then the I almost would have to- preferred that the Rays didn't tease us, and they would have just fucking lost all three to the Yankees, and at least we wouldn't have been like nervously watching that game on the Sunday because like yeah, that, that one sucked be- too. The fact that you had both games going into the late innings tied. And you didn't get a win in either of them. It's just like, oh man. The last one of the one of the things that made it very clear to me that New York was going to win that game was when Rugman Adore happened to be the one that hit the leadoff single to start things off. Yeah, in the uh, bottom of the ninth for the Yankees, Rugman Adore picks things off, of course, because that's just the way it has to be. Then the Adore hits, and then. Glaber Torres and then Anthony Rizzo and oh my god and then they, they don't walk Aaron Judge and they've got on second and third with one out like okay yeah they're going to intentionally watch walk Judge here right and then they don't naturally the ball <laughs> goes I mean they the almost made, they almost made the play at the plate too like yeah. I mean if that ball's a foot more to what would have been the left of the view we had of it like they might make that play and they might get the out at home. So that was like annoying. Like, oh man, just nothing broke their way in that game. It was super annoying. And then, and yeah, the Washington game, like for a while, there seemed like everything was breaking their way. Like Alex Avila is playing in his final major league game and it's like hitting doubles to the gap. And it's holy fuck. This is like, there was just, that was a great Sunday. If you were just an objective baseball fan, but it's just so heartbreaking to be a Jays fan and watch it go that way. It would be it'd be a really great Sunday if you dislike the Blue Jays, like sure. even if even if you're not like a a Yankees or Red Sox fan, if you're just a casual observer who's like, oh geez, like I dislike the idea of a Canadian baseball <laughs> team, <laughs> you just wanted things to go wrong, then yeah, that would have been sick to watch because it really truly was like the most heartbreaking way for us to go. I think. Ugh. Yeah. And uh, our third down is just that uh, the season is over, Coombsy. And uh, this was fun. We did a podcast after every series, so a grand total of 51 of them. Although I think we mixed in a bonus one there around the All-Star break. Um, But damn, man, that that was a fun year. That was a fun baseball team to cover. And to just think back to like them playing in Buffalo last season in what was like a dumb, dumb shortened season even though they made the playoffs in air quotes in that shortened season, it didn't feel good. Like it didn't feel the same way as this run did. Like it was fine. Yeah. It was, it was a, it was a nice little thing after like not having sports for three months for them to get into the mix of a playoff. That wasn't really actually a playoff. It was, but this year was like, I mean, we compared them to 2015 and like my investment as a fan in this team was on par with 2015 and 2016. Cause it was that exciting. Like there's just so many reasons to love what they did and love, love what they're probably going to do going forward as well. Like people have been doing the whole, like comparing how good they were when they were at the Rogers center compared to Dunedin and Buffalo. And like, there's every reason to think that this team's going to contend for a hundred wins next season. Yeah. There's this, this, uh, even though they didn't make the playoffs, like it was an insane circumstance. Like when do you see a team win 91 games and finish fourth in their division? It, it never happens. They're the best fourth place team of all time by a wide margin. It's nuts. It's, it's a, a, a true testament to the AL East being what it is. It's an, an absolutely bonkers, wild, fucked up division. But yeah, they took a step forward that, you know, you kind of would have hoped for them to take, right? Like, I mean, last year they went 32 and 28 which over the span of 
162 game season, it's really hard to say what that team would have done. I think realistically right around 500 would have made sense. Like the pitching was pretty bad. They were yeah. kind of winning games on like a tightrope all the time. Whereas this year it was like, you know, how many times did they get blown out? Like never. Yeah. It was very uncommon. This team would lose a game like eight, one, you know, that kind of thing. Whereas they were kicking the wheels off of teams frequently. And you can see that in the run differential. Like they were even better than their 91 and 71 record suggests. And it all comes back to earlier on in the season with the injuries and the bullpen blowing games, playing in Dunedin, playing in Buffalo. They weren't at home. Like it is what it is. Like the Jays only finally hit their stride in late July because they came back to Toronto. And, you know, if there was more runway, then things would have been better. If they had come back to Toronto earlier, things would have been better. But that's life. It is what it is. And now we have to hope that this is just the beginning and it just moves up from here. But I mean, not to be negative, that's not necessarily an automatic, like as much, as much as things went wrong this year with, you know, Nate Pearson turning into kind of a lemon, Julian Merriweather getting hurt right away, two key bullpen veterans, Kirby Yates, David Phelps getting hurt, Hyunjin Ryu kind of falling off a cliff, like a handful of things went wrong, but a lot of things went right. Waddy didn't miss a game. Uh, Bo didn't miss any time. Like, hey, Oscar had a fantastic season. Um, he was an all star, yeah. Um, Semyon, Semyon, and Ray, man. Semyon. Like, those had, you couldn't have well, scripted those better. No, Semyon had people are like, oh, is this like the best one and done? We're already saying it's a one and done season because everyone just assumes he's leaving. Is this the best one and done Blue Jay season of all time? Yeah, no shit. It's one of the best Blue Jay seasons of all time in general. Like, yeah. Marcus Semyon was worth like 7.1 wins this year. Like, how on earth do you replace that? I honestly have no idea. Robbie Ray, same thing. Like, one of the best pitching seasons of all time by a Blue Jay, the best by a left-handed pitcher in, in Blue Jays history, no doubt. Like, unbelievably good stuff. And I think back to the 2017 Oilers, where, you know, they yeah. won a playoff series. Uh, everybody was young, right? It was David, David Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl, yeah. Yeah, it was young core, Clef Bomb, Larson. Like, they were pretty young. Cam Talbot, like, oh, wow, there's nowhere to go but up. And they did not get better. They have not been that good since. No. And, you know, things went wrong. Players, you know, were traded away for the... It's it's a different situation, obviously, because hockey and baseball aren't the same thing. And I think the Blue Jays front office is not fucking Peter Chiarelli. Yep. So, you know, it is a different animal. But, yeah, nothing's really guaranteed here. And, I mean, part of me is optimistic. This is just the beginning, and this team's going to be amazing. Part of me is nervous that this was the year of magic and they had a lot of things go right. And it just wasn't enough. Let's talk about the things that went right. Cause I, I like, we're going to probably do a couple more podcasts here oh, yeah. to, to round out the month, just to kind of set up the off season and do all that good stuff. Um, and as, as things go, like we'll, we'll always be hopping on, but looking back at this season, okay. Vladimir Guerrero has what the best season by a 22 year old ever. When you look yeah. at just the power numbers, like, one of the best seasons by anyone under 23 as well. Like it was unbelievable. Robbie Ray goes from taking a one year, $8 million flyer to likely winning the AL Cy Young. Um, Marcus Semyon has one of the best blue Jay seasons ever. He's going to be in the top three for MVP voting in all likelihood, or he could be in that mix. Those three things, which one surprised you the most? We can even throw Manoa in that mix as well as, you know, emerging as a front of the rotation ish starter, which one of those caught you the most off guard this season definitely robbie ray easily like we were all we've all been waiting for the vladi breakout forever and i think with the the whole the whole story with when you saw him when they lost to tampa last last fall he looked very upset 
And then there was reports all winter, huge, huge, you know, gym, this, that workout, lose weight, blah, blah, blah. It was pretty obvious that he was going to come in and have a big year. I don't know if we thought it was going to be this big. We thought maybe it would have been like a step in the right direction, like 850, 900 OPS, good season, like prime Edwin Encarnacion season, that kind of thing. Uh, Semyon, same thing. Like he, he was really good for quite a few years and he was bad last year. It was the COVID season. Who gives a shit last season was irrelevant. Uh, Robbie Ray, that was completely out of nowhere. I mean, even when they got him last year, he came and he was okay. Like he was still walking everyone. And it was really it, the first time that he pitched like an amazing go for the Jays after they acquired him was that game one of the playoffs when he came in after Matt Shoemaker and everybody freaked the fuck out. Like, how could you take Matt Shoemaker up to Robbie Ray? And it's hilarious to look back at that in hindsight now. Robbie Ray's the Cy Young winner and Matt Shoemaker is probably out of baseball. <laughs> like that's the thing that that's Robbie Ray, even like anybody who was optimistic about Robbie Ray was like, geez, this guy's at best, like what a number four starter. Yeah. And when they signed him, people were like, why are you throwing this money at Robbie Ray immediately? Like, what are you doing? Like, go get Taiwan Walker back. Yeah. Get Taiwan Walker back. Do whatever. Like there's going to be Robbie Ray's available at the back end of free agency. He's bad. And it turns out he's the furthest thing from bad. He was fantastic. So that was really what stuck out to me. And it was also shocking on the flip side to see Kenjin Ryu just completely lose it. It was. Do you, it was. Do you think Ryu weird. can bounce back next year? Do you think he can give them more than what he gave them this year, or is this just the final year of a contract when you go get an older free agent like that? Like you just kind of go, yeah, the last half of this deal is not going to be great. I hope so. I mean, I think the key with um, Ryu is um, figuring out a way to manage his workload, like the NBA is the sport where we've seen this actually done like load management. The, the Raptors did that with Kawhi Leonard and people were like, what are you doing? Why are you not playing him? This sucks. And then obviously it worked out because he was full energy in the playoffs and basketball, baseball, very different things, of course, no shit, but you know, Ryu is the, the kind of pitcher who struggles with durability and he's noticeably better, noticeably worse when he pitches on certain days of rest and he has certain amounts of time off. So Maybe the Jays are a team that has to work with like a pseudo six man rotation to navigate this guy. So he's not pitching every fifth day because if they do the exact same strategy next year, then I don't know why he would suddenly be better. You know, he's a year older. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, not, he's not getting any, he's not getting younger. A so. pseudo six man or, or you run him on an innings limit, right? For the first half of the season, you just kind of say like, Hey, he is not going up past the fourth inning once. And we have, whether it's Nate Pearson or whoever is kind of our bulk guy. And it's not quite an opener scenario with Ryu, but you're just kind of like, Hey, he's throwing 70 pitches every time he's out there for the first half of the season. And that is it. And we'll, we'll address things in the second half. But the other thing with him is like, they have Burrios under contract next year. Manoa is legit. Ryu's not going to be depended on to be an ace anymore, right? Like they won't, he won't be the spot in the rotation where you go, we need him to go six. We need him to save the bullpen and we need a win on that day. Like there's a little bit of pressure off him. And that does give the Jays the flexibility to kind of tinker with him and give, give him that rest when they see fit. So I don't know. I mean, he's clearly, I mean, he's obviously talented. Like there's, I have hope that maybe he can bounce back a little next year. I don't think he will be the year one Ryu that we saw, but I think he could find himself somewhere in the middle of these first two seasons in year three. I'm optimistic yeah, that, at least. That'd be ideal. That would be, that'd be huge. Like there's obviously no reason to just write off Hyunjin Ryu. That'd be insane. But yeah. it's another one of those things where, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm being pessimistic, but mm -hmm. it is another it's one hard of those to be like where, overly positive when they just got eliminated. 
but also swinging back to Marcus Semyon, who's going to go and himself an insane contract. Like, yeah. just to put into context how good Marcus Semyon's season was. So, according to fan graphs, he was worth 6.6 wins. Baseball reference has him higher. But so he played all 162 games. He's worth 6.6 wins. And that puts him at number 41 in Blue Jays history in terms of all time wins above replacement for a Blue Jay. That's ahead that's- of guys. That's, that's not just one season, right? That is like all time Blue Jays all wins, time. like multiple seasons. Yeah. Accumulated. So like, yeah. yeah. So a career war with this team. So that's ahead of, he's right ahead of Lyle Overbay, who played 723 games. <laughs> he's ahead of um, Reed Johnson, Justin Smoke, Troy Gloss, Colby Rasmus, Scott Rowland, uh, Manny Lee, Pat Borders. Um, like this is a this is a huge list of guys who played like quite a few games with the team, like multiple years. And Marcus Semyon's one year. Like he's also he's right here, right behind Adam Lind, who almost played a thousand games for the Jays. <laughs> he was worth it. Like, it's, it's insane. Like <laughs> that was wild, man. Like how yeah, did you get I, that season? Like it's it's insane. I'm thinking we'll save the Robbie Ray Semyon and what they could do this offseason mm-hmm. debate for another podcast. Because oh, um, the, there's a lot of time to get into that, obviously. Um, I wanted to get your take on kind of how the postseason is going to shake down now. You got the Yankees going up against the Red Sox in the wildcard game. Winner of that goes on to face the Tampa Bay Rays. And then uh, in the other series, you're going to have Houston taking on the Chicago White Sox. Houston's the two seed there. Chicago, the three um, if you had to, I know you're not a betting man, but if you had to put money on one team to come out of the AL, who would you, uh, who'd you put, who would you be putting it on? Uh, probably the Rays. Yeah. That's, I don't know. Like, geez, I'm not going to lie. Like this is about the least interesting American league playoff picture you could possibly put together. I don't like the Red Sox or the Yankees, obviously. So that's a wildcard game. I don't want to be a part of. I just, I want to see something fucked up happen. I want to see one fan base, very sad. Because I'm very sad right now. So I want one of the two of them mm-hmm. to feel that way. I don't really care who it is, either the Yankees or the Red Sox, sure. And then I want to see, I'm not really sure. Uh, this is weird. Um, do I want to see the Rays just shit kick one of those teams or do I want to see the Rays lose? I hate the Rays too. Yeah. Like I'm sick of the Rays. <laughs> I don't like the Astros at all. I don't give a shit about the White Sox, like, uh, whatever. So I guess I'm pulling for Chicago in the American League, I guess, apathetically. It's a team that I don't really have any feeling for whatsoever, but I do think that the Rays are far and away the best team here, largely because they're pitching. They're just, you know, we all know the Rays and their first place. So everyone's going to have to play multiple games at the drop and that sucks. So I'd say the Rays in terms of the national league, geez, like that's a real wild card. Like I don't understand why the San Francisco giants won as many games as they did. That doesn't make any sense. I don't even know who their best player is. Like who's their best guy. Chris Bryant, who they got at the deadline. (laughs) Is he like Kevin Gosman's been unreal. Like he's probably their most impactful player. What a random team. Like it is like that was the, I mean, we were so focused on like the Jays and we, we don't really talk on this podcast about like other shit going on around the majors, but like it's insane that that San Francisco team won 107 games. Like that's legitimately 20 more wins. than I think a lot of people probably had them pegged for at the start of the season, at least. Yeah. Like, and then, you know, the Dodgers are the Dodgers. They're great, but they're playing in a one game wild card after winning 105 games, 106 games. And they had to play St. Louis, who just had like a 22 game winning streak. Mm-hmm. And St. Louis is doing well with Adam Wainwright as their best pitcher. And he's 39. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm far more intrigued with what's going to happen in the NL, man. Like, oh, especially yeah. in that wild card game where the Dodgers won 100 and some this year. They finished with 106 wins. 106. 
and they got to play a Cardinals team that's red hot, like you said. And then your your prize for winning that one game is you get the 107 win Giants. Like I'd I'd love to see a Giants Dodgers series in in yeah, that NLDS. 106 wins versus 107. Those two going head to head with their historic rivalry would be unreal. On um, the other series, Atlanta Milwaukee, I'm kind of meh on. Like it's Neither just of those teams are particularly entertaining. I don't think. Yeah, I, I think the, the Braves might be the more interesting team there, but everyone likes to pull from Milwaukee because they're just kind of, you know, there's Milwaukee. It's a, mm-hmm. a little market. They're another one of those kind of like random teams. They have really good pitching too. So if you love pitching then yeah. what you'd want to see is, I mean, the Dodgers and Brewers in the in the championship series, that'd be fun. Yeah. I think that would be fun. Um, just yeah. circling back to the American league quickly. I'll be interested to see what, what the white Sox can do here. Um, Cause I, I don't think that at that Astros team is far from a juggernaut. Um, no, they're not as good as they used to be. Yeah, I don't know I, if they, are the White Sox any good? Like, look at the division they play in. The next best team yeah, has eighty wins. That's so bad. There wasn't even a single good team they went up against frequently. Like, they got a good rotation Sox, though. Like, they they, guess, they, but, they throw out some good pitchers. Yeah, but I mean, come on. Like, the White Sox shouldn't even be in the playoffs. Put the Jays in there instead. The Jays should be the. <laughs> that goes back division. to like why it's so upsetting to see the Jays oh, miss by one God. game because like you look at the American League. Tampa Bay's good. I get it, but there's a fucking raise. Like there's no one team that's like clearly above and beyond everyone else. In my opinion, like I think it'll be really close with the Ray, like whoever gets in between the Red Sox and Yankees. I think all both of those ALDS series are going to be really tight. Yeah, it's it's a total coin flip, but I I would put money on the Rays. Like if I, I I don't bet, but if I was comfortable throwing my money away like that, then I the only team I'm comfortable in the AL betting on is the Rays. Like that's just because I have been a Blue Jays fan for so long. <laughs> I just know what the Rays are all about. I just feel like they were so close last year uh-huh. that it almost does feel like this year will be their year. Kind of feels like that. I would just say it's, it's weird too, because like are the, the Rays don't feel like they should be that good. No. Right? Like they, 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 they don't, they never really do though. They don't, they never do. And I mean, their, their best pitcher is out, out for the year now. And it's like, who even is your ace? Like, who do you start in game one? If you're this team, is it like rookie, the Rasmussen dude? Like, is it, is it an Shane opener? Paws. Like, what do you do? Like, I don't know. it's weird. But they'll, it's, it's they'll amazing. scrap their way through probably the ALDS at least. Um, quickly, we were talking about betting. Uh, just looking at what the odds board says, the Dodgers are the favorites to win the world series at like 3.8 to one. And then you got the Astros and giants at five and a half to one. The Rays are six and a half to one. The Brewers and White Sox are seven and a half to one. The Braves and Yankees are 12 to one. And the Red Sox and Cardinals are 16 to one. So those are your World Series winner odds. Um, yeah, actually, the Rays at six and a half to one might be the best bet on that board. Like they went there last year. Who knows? They always find a way to do weird shit with rosters that you don't think are good on paper. But then some random guy like, yeah, Rasmussen. We know he's been good this year, but he's probably going to pitch like 28 innings for them in the playoffs and have like a 1.2 ERA or some dumb shit like that. It's just funny because like (laughs) the Rays went to the World Series last year on the back of it was uh, Snell Morton and um, Christ, I always forget his name. Why am I forgetting his name? He's the race this year. Yarbrough? No, no. Glasnow. Um, Um, Yeah, it was in Glasnow. So all all three of those guys aren't even going to be pitching for the Rays in the playoffs this year. I know. And and their pitching might be stronger than it was last year. It makes no fucking sense. sense. How do they do this? Why? Obviously, we'll be keeping it all, too. Like, oh, my God. Ew. 
Um, let's get into what's coming up next for the Toronto Blue Jays. It's brought to you by Sports Closet or by the Sports Closet. Check them out, sportscloset.ca. Christmas is coming for the sports fan in your life. Head to sports. They got everything on there, um, whether it's jerseys, apparel. They got literally anything with the team's logo on it. They have it at sportscloset.ca. Check it out. They'll ship to you. Um, up next is the offseason now for Toronto. Give me like your three biggest storylines heading into this offseason. Um, that would be, I guess, Ray and Semyon are one. They're well, just one and two. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's, that's, that's the, the storyline is, um, I'm just going to say re-signing either or both of Robbie Ray yeah. and Marcus Semyon. That's the number one storyline. Mm-hmm. I think number two, this is kind of an interesting one is whether you offer Steven Matt's qualifying offer and what he goes about doing with that. I would be kind of surprised if they didn't like, I think it'd be really, what would his are. qualifying offer be? Qualifying offer would be around 18 mil. You think he's uh, worth 18 mil? Eight. It's not that bad. Like, he was pretty good this year. He had a sub four ERA. Like, you can't, you, pitchers like that don't just grow on trees. And I mean, pitchers get better when they work with Pete Walker. So it's a worthwhile investment. The other thing with Matt's is maybe you offer that qualifying offer and he's like, all right, I want some stability. I want to maybe sign a two year deal worth $12 million a year, $15 million a year, that kind of thing. And you get him for a bit less. I don't know. Give him the fucking Tanner work contract, $12 million per year. I don't know. But I, I, I personally, from both sides, would be shocked if A, the qualifying offer wasn't issued and B, it wasn't accepted. I think if you're Steven Mads, you look at Robbie Ray's season working with Pete Walker and you're like, geez, that could be me. I yeah. can put together a huge season for the Jays. I'd take this qualifying offer and you know do some great shit and sign a huge contract like Robbie Ray is going to sign. And then I think the third is going to be what the Jays go about doing with their third base situation. I think the name to watch here, we spent all last off season paying attention to possibly trading for a guy from Cleveland. I think we're going to be doing the uh, Jose Ramirez watch and what it is they ultimately wind up giving up to get this guy. You think they're going to get him though? I, I could see it. Yeah. Cleveland's going to trade him in the off season. Obviously it's Cleveland. They do you think, do you think, players. Do you think they take a serious run at bringing back Semyon before they do that, though? Because I, I can't see them getting both. Like, I don't think you're getting Semyon and bringing in Jose Ramirez. I mean, they would be fucking hilarious if they did because their team would be the best team on paper in the majors. Um, but I think you probably take a run at re-signing Semyon since that doesn't cost you any assets, right? It's just money yeah. before you go looking into a guy like Jose Ramirez. The thing is, is that you probably can actually afford to bring Semyon back and re-sign Ramirez. The thing is, is maybe if you dump another contract elsewhere, if you dump uh, Randall Gritchick contract, like Ramirez's his money is pretty easy. He has an $11 million team option this year, $13 million team option the following year. So he's not yeah. expensive. So you bring that guy in for third base at that money. And then you still just throw a boatload of cash at Semyon. And it's possible. <laughs> like it, it, it does work out. And the thing is, is that um, if you sign Semyon, can you also sign Ray? Is it one or the other? If it's one or the other, which one would you rather sign? Pitchers are more enigmatic, and Robbie Ray did not have a good finish to the season at all. He's still going to win the Cy Young Award, but it's not like he went out and grabbed that by the horns and was the American League ace. You know, he is going to win the Cy Young Award because Garrett Cole had two bad starts, one of which was also against the Blue Jays, and because uh, Lance Flynn got injured. Um, Robbie Ray was great this year, like no doubt, uh, not taking anything away from him, but was he... Sack Wheeler money good? Was he ace money good? Maybe. I don't know. Like you just you just don't know how that's gonna age. It's a lot easier to invest money in 
a middle infielder who is never injured and plays every day, right? So yeah, that's that's kind of storyline number one. Then it's Matt. Do you qualify him? Probably yes. And then it's do you trade for Jose Ramirez? Yeah, absolutely you do. Fuck yeah, go and do it. The the one I'll throw in right after that is how they handle their bullpen this offseason. Oh. And I mean, after it pretty clearly cost them early in the year, and you could definitely say it cost them at least the one win they probably needed to get to the playoffs or they did need to get into the playoffs. I wonder if they'll go throw money at anyone. Like I'm looking at the list of free agents here. I mean, A, what's Kirby Yates going to be like? Is he... Can he play? Like, Give him a qualifying offer. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, you could look at Kirby Yates. I mean, Razel Iglesias, he's a free agent, unrestricted free agent. You go like, I wonder if they'll like throw a boatload of money at someone like that. I don't know. Because if you take like, let's just say Robbie Ray gets some dumb offer from whoever and the Jays go, yeah, we can't. We're not matching that. Like that's too, too high for their taste buds. Your rotation, you got Barrios, you got Manoa, you got Ryu. Maybe you'd have Mats at that point. I don't know, maybe you're holding your breath on Nate Pearson. That probably shouldn't be your plan, though, going into next year. Do they go get another starter on the free agent market? Do they go get Noah Syndergaard? Yes. That'd be great. I actually would that'd love it. Fun. I was going to save that for another pod, but like that'd be a fun name for them to go chase down if they were to lose out on Robbie Ray. Um, and then I wonder if they'll spend a bunch of money on their bullpen. I don't know. Like they, uh, Bullpens are it's such a You can do it right? without spending money, but like going that route cost them this year early on. It did. Yeah, it, it really did. But the other thing is, is um, you can, you can invest as much money as you'd like in a very good, deep, expensive bullpen. Like I remember there was one year, the Colorado Rockies went, this is like three or four years ago. They went absolutely bananas on their bullpen. They signed like Wade Davis, Brian Shaw, and a whole bunch of guys to have the sick bullpen. And they were just fucking terrible. Like it's relievers. Like they're, well, relievers so only help you if you're ahead in the game, yeah, really, right? Like, good, right? Like, remember the 2013 Blue Jays had like an amazing bullpen with um, Casey Jansen, Steve Delabar, Brett Cecil, Aaron Loop. They were like untouchable, and the team was dog shit because they didn't have any good starters. So I don't really know what you do. Like, what what do you wave goodbye to Robbie Ray and just spend a whole bunch of cash on veteran relievers and mm-hmm. hope that they're all good? Like reliever contracts and free agencies so frequently work out. Like, I mean, you'll have your Liam Hendricks, for example, White Sox threw a buttload of cash at him. He's been sick. Like, that's awesome. Good for them. But, you know, you also have a whole bunch of other situations where, you know, you throw cash at a reliever and they're just not very good. So I would still prioritize starting pitching and position players. And as dumb as this is for me to say, because like we literally just watched them miss out in the playoffs because they blew so many games with a dog shit bullpen. But, I don't know. I would rather them just use their financial resources on those key positions and just find guys that can fit into the bullpen as they go along. Like they did it this year, right? Like, I mean, even as time went along, they found Simber and Richards and then, you know, you can bring those guys back. Like, I mean, Simber Richards, if you have Simber Richards, Merriweather already penciled in to come back. And I mean, Romano as well. Okay. You, you, yeah, Tim Miza, like you, you're already off to a decent start yeah, here. And, or maybe you just commit thing. to Nate Pearson being a bullpen yeah, guy. That's what I was going to say. If you just accept that Nate Pearson's a reliever, then the picture looks very different. All of a sudden you're looking at, okay, you have Romano, you have Pearson, you have Simber, you have Richards, you have Mesa. That's five guys. It's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. And then maybe you have some other younger guys in your triple A or double A or whoever else who can come up and make a difference. Who knows? And I just think it's more worth your while to spend your cash on keeping Semyon around or keeping Ray around or, Bringing Noah Syndergaard or 
signing on fucking know whoever else sign, sign a random veteran go sign justin verlander <laughs> back the truck up for jose ramirez baby yeah exactly go and trade a whole bunch of prospects and get jose ramirez and sign marcus sign yeah, do that rather than focusing on giving i don't know <laughs> what reliever a three-year contract yeah. worth 40 million dollars like yeah, um, it, it doesn't it doesn't frequently work out i don't think <laughs> let's end this uh let's end this podcast on a happy thought it's opening day next season and the jays are running out a lineup that is Springer, Semyon, Guerrero, Bichette, Ramirez, Hernandez, Guriel, and then like fucking Christian or uh, Alejandro Kirk. I just call him Christian Kirk. Jesus Christ, watching too much football. Alejandro Kirk. On the team somehow. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, imagine that opening day next year. Robbie Ray's back on the bump. They bring the band back together. Semyon's here too. They've loaded up. They got Ramirez. Front page of Sports Yates Illustrated the is the too. yeah. Kirby Yates and David Phelps are back. Wow. That, that's the thought John we're going to managing the team everyone's so happy it's just great <laughs> they bring back uh, the other mascot diamond who disappeared in the mid 2000s ace's girlfriend and it's just like wow <laughs> this is the real blue jays we've all wanted this whole time jose bautista's the first base coach or some shit jose bautista. <laughs> tim lapier's back um <laughs> All right, we're uh, let's let's wrap this one up, Coomzy. Uh, it was a lot of fun this year. We'll be back, like I said. We'll do some off season stuff. Maybe we'll even like bring in like um like BK and the guys, and we'll, we'll start to bring in a few different voices, get their take yeah, on what what the Jays could do this off season. Um, this has been episode fifty one, the uh, regular season finale of Blue Jays Nation Radio, presented to you by DoorDash, where the promo code BJNPODDD gets first time users of the app twenty five percent off and no delivery fees. Coomzy, we will chat soon. Until then. I don't know, man. Enjoy playoff baseball, I guess. Fuck. I will try. I'm not watching the fucking American League wildcard game. You're protesting it. No, it's not real. It doesn't count. <laughs> this is just like when they canceled the World Series back in 2015. Yeah, in 2015. Now that sucks. Anyways. All right. Thanks to everyone who tuned in throughout the year. We really appreciate it. Uh, we'll be back with some off-season content. Until then, I don't even know how to end it. Coombsy, it just sucks that they're done. Yeah, it does. This is sad. I don't want to sign off. I'm depressed. This made me more sad than I, how I was yesterday and this morning. I feel I feel I feel more aggravated now. Unfortunately, this this was not therapeutic. <laughs> this was not therapeutic. Title of the pod. Thanks for tuning in. Best wishes. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of podcasts, and delivered by DoorDash. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.